What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first show. Well, technically, the match of the month was the first show of 2020, but this is the first actual non-special show of 2020. It's Monday. You know what time it is. We're going to get some wrestling today. I'm actually, and I also have um, this new segment I'm going to debut called More Epic. I want to get some feedback on it. If you guys like it, we'll continue to do it. If you don't, then it'll just be a one-and-done type of thing. Um, I'll explain that later. It's going to be after this. Um, so let's get right into it. Let's start with some raw notes. Keith Lee will get a shot on Legends Raw for the WWE Championship. I don't know what to think about this. I have a few ideas. I have a few thoughts on it, but I this may be very unsure. So pretty much how this got set up was Sheamus and Keith Lee have been beefing over the last couple weeks. Uh, so they end up being put in a match uh, by the commissioner. That's what Adam Pierce is. Sheamus versus Keith Lee. The winner gets a WWE title shot in the first Raw of the, of the new year. Um, Sheamus was, excuse me, Drew McIntyre was doing commentary. Uh, Keith Lee won clean with the spirit bomb. Um, decent match, I guess. Nothing's too special. Um, nothing or, or nothing you need to go out of your way to see. And... Now Keith Lee is number one. I would have to imagine this is not going to end. I just, all right. I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if it ended with Drew McIntyre pinning Keith Lee. I just wouldn't. I can't imagine that that's what's going to happen. So here's my thing. I said in my 2021 predictions or fantasy booking at WrestleMania, I'm thinking Keith Lee is going to get that WWE Championship match at. WrestleMania, I because him and Drew McIntyre have just been connected since he made, did the main roster. They just they just have. Um, so I'm thinking this ends with Sheamus interfering, which then sets up a match with Sheamus and McIntyre for the next two months. That's what's going to keep McIntyre busy is Sheamus so at the Rumble and Elimination Chamber, and then Lee should. I want to say he's going to win the Royal Rumble. Because that's what I fantasy booked out and just was having fun with it. I don't think he is. But he, he if he's not winning the Rumble, I could see him winning the Chamber. Um, that should be a fun Chamber, too. He's in it. But to me, doing this match now, it just, it just feels and smells like it's going to end in hogwash. You know? Um, Adam Pierce ended up agreeing with The Miz, saying that per the tape, which technically is true... John Morrison did cash in money in the bank, not Miz. So he handed the briefcase, briefcase, briefcase back to Miz. So Miz is still Mr. Money in the Bank. Where this is going, I have no clue. I just don't see them putting the belt on him. Um, but they actually put the briefcase back on him, so we'll see. And they ended Raw interesting. And I don't know what they wanted the intended effect to be on me it was the complete opposite so alexa bliss pretty much snapped and begged randy orton to set her on fire like she did like he did the fiend and she doused herself with gasoline laid down and orton said you think i won't do it you think i won't and they ended raw with orton holding a match and then throwing it 
So the assumption is that he set her on fire. I immediately texted a bunch of people and said, did they want him to... Was that supposed to, you know, make me have sympathy for? Because this is actually pretty funny, if anything. Um, I, it's it was again, it's the more adult, edgy stuff. Um, obviously, this is leading to another match between Orton and the Fiend. According to Dave Meltzer, supposedly this is supposed to lead to an Orton Fiend match at the Rumble. There, he's he's assuming it'll be another fire firehouse. Why can't I say that right? Firefly Funhouse match. Um, if you remember the first one from WrestleMania, there was only one bump taken, and that was a mandible claw, and uh, Bray pinned John Cena. So, actually, if you think about it, it's kind of poetic. The two people that the Phoenix had the most issues with, the most problems with, he probably would end ended with them being in a match. In, in his house. So I can't imagine Orton would win that match. Uh, it was more of a psychological, uh, disturbing mind fuck for Cena. I would have to imagine it would be the same for Orton. I just would have to. Um, but those were the main highlights of Raw that I found to be interesting. Um, I did enjoy the Firehouse Jesus Christ. Firefly Funhouse match um, at Mania, even though it wasn't a match. I enjoyed the subtle details, like when The Fiend tried to hand the mic over to Cena, and Cena, and he took the mic back and said, you can look, but you can't touch. Um, the Bellas theme song. Um, I know a lot of people didn't get that. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do with this. And apparently Cena had a ton of input on that, to where apparently it made the match even better, so I can only imagine what he added to it. Um... But Raw all over was a forgettable show, as it usually is. But those are the three things I find to be interesting because I don't know where they're going. Or I can guess where they're going, but I can't really say for sure. Um, NXT. Um, Johnny Gargano finally breaks the curse. He does. He ends 2020 the same way Sasha Banks did, with the, being able to defend his championship for the first time and retain it. He retained it against uh, Leon Ruff. Um, and it, he, he broke the curse. So now where he goes, I would assume he's keeping that championship until at least take over at WrestleMania weekend. Um, but it was a good match. Leon Ruff shows, showed me some stuff. You know, I haven't really been too much into him. He's been like the typical, he's reminded me of one, two, three kid in like the, in like the ni- mid nineties, um, which I didn't, I didn't care for him either. <laughs> you know, it wasn't until even after the Razor Ramon thing, it wasn't until he had that match with uh, Bret Hart on Raw, where it was for the WWE Championship. It was a great match. And you knew 1-2-3-Kid wasn't winning, but they had a great match. 1-2-3-Kid uh, went to Sharpshooter. Um, excuse me, Bret Hart went to Sharpshooter. Um, so maybe he needs to have that kind of moment for me to actually get into him. But the main story here is Johnny Gargano broke his curse. Um, Damian Priest and... Carrying Cross brawled all over, and they ended up going both going through a table. And Scarlett just sat down on a table next to him and just laughed as they're both just down. Um, I think this is going to be a hell of a match next week. Um, the, the cards for both those Wednesday night shows look amazing, and I'm so glad I'm going to be able to watch uh, AEW uh, live and I'll check out NXT the next day. 
But those both of those cards look amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing what what they can do. You have that Timothy Thatcher uh, Champa match uh, in the the Fighters Pit. You have Ray Phoenix versus freaking uh, the Cleaner for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Carrying Cross, Damian Priest. Some of these matches are telegraphed, like Phoenix isn't winning and Priest isn't winning, but I think it'll be hell of a match, hell, hell, hell of great matches. I'm, my words are just like not connecting right now, um, but it'll be fun. Speaking of great matches, uh, Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly won for NXT Match of the Year, and I wasn't sure who was gonna win this match, even though I didn't think they, were, even though I didn't think they were gonna put the belt on Kyle O'Reilly. This just confirmed it. As Finn Balor's walking to the ring, he just so happens to pass Pete Dunne. And I'm sitting there like, huh. All right. They wouldn't shoot that if it wasn't going to happen. So, obviously, they're going to have a great match, Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor. But that's the end game right there. It's Pete Dunne probably taking that NXT championship off of Finn Balor. Um, but that, that match next week is going to be tremendous. And I would have to assume what they're doing. Cause I don't know if they're running a show. It's Royal Rumble weekend, but I would have to assume the next show they run is going to be Pete Dunn versus Finn Balor. And that will be a hell of a match on this match. Roderick Strong and Pete Dunn have a hell of a match too. They beat the hell out of each other. Um, so I'm assuming the end goal is, and I'm going to assume that's WrestleMania weekend. I'm assuming that's what they're doing, setting this up now. Balor, done, WrestleMania weekend. And that's actually when you can even bring back Pat McAfee. I know they've taken him off TV for a while. You know, if, if Bernie, uh, if, if uh, Lork and whoever their name was, the current tag team champions, I forget their names, because I'm having a hard time focusing right now. I don't know why. Um... If they keep these, those tag team championships, I can see Dunn winning that WWE, WWE, that NXT championship. I'm having a really tough time tonight. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, that Winning the NXT championship, then you bring back Pat McAfee. That is going to be one hell, of, one hell of a gloating first promo back. All of his guys have gold around their waist. That should be interesting. Um, let's hit AEW. And I've been fighting that yawn. I think that's what's been throwing me off. So I finally just like let it out. And so hopefully that's the end of those, those problems for us this time. Um, this, this show was way too emotional. I only got through two two matches that I just needed to get through. Like once I saw the highlights, I couldn't watch it. I knew it was going to be super emotional. Um, for me, the, the standout things was... The final tag team match where <laughs> Jericho's on commentary the entire night and freaking MJF goes over, takes the mask off Brody Lee Jr., spits on it. He turns around, he gets hit with a kendo stick, and Jericho on commentary said the greatest thing. He was like, That kid's already turning to a bad seed. You know, <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, but then the other thing was Eric Rowan coming out, making his AEW debut. I, I believe it's a one off. But it was the right way to honor him. Obviously, you can't get Bray Wyatt on the, on the show. 
But it was the right way to honor him. I mean, all week long, everybody's been honoring him. Even on Raw and SmackDown, I believe Xavier Woods had a armband that said Brody. Daniel Bryan had it. The pouring of love this guy got. Um, there's Somebody asked me, do you think Vince would be mad? I'm sure Vince might have a little th- something stuck in his craw. But it's not enough to where you do you really want wrestlers to revolt? They've already given you, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, they've given you a third-party thing. You can have that, right? Fuck third-party shit, right? Have it. But a friend, a comrade, a very respected and loved comrade, they can't honor him. You don't want people to, to go. And I know that no, everyone says wrestlers will never do a union. But the last thing you want is for them to even have an uprising over this it's like this may not be a this won't be a fair comparison but hear me out it's kind of like when all the killings were happening with the black people um in 2020 that were very publicized and you had new day wanting to honor and get on one knee and all these other things it's kind of like saying hey we're role models but only when wwe says we can be role models we have a voice, but only when W. And I know that's been the history, and I, I I won't argue with anyone that says it has not. It has been. I just don't feel there's certain top topics, and I would have to imagine Vince. So because Vince is like the president, right? Vince has a bunch of advisors, right? And even though I think most of his advisors are out of the loop, um, I think there's there's enough common sense there to say, hey, this isn't a creative decision. This is a human decision. We don't have control over that. We probably don't. We probably don't want to fight them on this, you know. Um, but that was super cool. But it was when I see, and then he had a sign that said, "See you down the road, brother. Um, goodbye for now. See you down the road." <sighs> the whole thing was tough. And you know what? I, I was wondering why it hadn't hit me. And then it was announced on December thirty first that MF Doom had passed away. Now he passed away on Halloween. But the family chose to keep it private until December 31st. And you know what? That is so fitting of MF Doom, the, the, the metal face himself, secret keeper himself, for his family to keep it secret for two months. Um, then then it all hit me. Then the end of 2020, just it just hit me all at once. But I knew I couldn't watch this full show. So if you want to watch it, go on the app, go on YouTube. I'm not, I've been told it's the greatest tribute show ever. I believe it. Those two things alone to me have me interested. I just can't. 2020 was too much for me. And the way way it ended just was terrible. But I did see those two things and it was great. Um, So let's get to SmackDown. Then we'll hit news and notes. Then we'll do the new segment. SmackDown, Big E has stated that he will start next week the Intercontinental Championship Open and his first opponent will be Apollo Crews. I think that would be a good match. Um, I, I just don't see why how those two would have a bad match on paper. Um, I'm not interested in, in any Opens. To me, it's once Cena did it, then Rollins did it, Cody did it. To me, I get it. It's going to showcase Biggie every week, and he needs that right now, especially get, as they start getting fans in the building. He's, he's going to need that. People seeing, seeing him, getting used to him, uh, hearing his chants. So let's say instead of doing the, you know, the New Day type of stuff, it'll be it'll be him doing his thing. I get all that. 
you know. Um, but I'm just not really for the open stuff. I think it's been overdone too much. Cena did it, and Cena, despite what you think about him, Cena put up. Got, even though not mean, even though no one really beat him, he 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 got a lot of people's attention. Like his match with Sami Zayn, and fortunately Sami Zayn, I think had popped his shoulder out of place or something. He was out for like a year. Um, but that put Sammy on the map with a lot of people who didn't know who Sami Zayn was. Um, so that, to me, it's cool because he's going to be on TV and that Intercontinental, Intercontinental Championship um, will be showcased the way it should be. Um, but otherwise, whatever. Um, Bobby Lashley is officially in the Royal Rumble. Um, so that should be, I, I, I started thinking about it. When's the last time Lashley was in the Rumble? I remember him being in the 2006 Rumble. He didn't really get a reaction, but I remember he, like, when he came out, but when he did lift the Big Show up, um, he ended up taking Kane and Big Show, double choke slamming him and then tossing him out from being eliminated. But I don't think I've seen Lashley in the Rumble since he's been back. I don't remember him being in the, any Rumble since he's been back with the company. So I think 2006 was the last time Bobby Lashley was in the Royal Rumble. So if that's if that's true, I need to look this up. I didn't look this up, but I don't need to look it up. But that's 14, no, 15 years in between Rumble appearances. Um, he's not winning it, but um, it's just it's just another heavy hitter in there. Um, Carmella. There seems like they're continuing this feud between Carmella and Sasha, which is probably best because she's not going to be in the mix at rest, by WrestleMania time. So I can see now Carmella has to get another shot at the belt because she pinned uh, Sasha Banks with the face buster in the middle of the ring. So this is going to be interesting. Um, not the match. That's clear who's going to win. It's going to be interesting to see if anyone debuts at the Rumble or are they just going to put Beyonce, Beyonce, Bianca. What is up with my freaking words tonight? You know, it's Friday night. You know, normal time I record. I don't know. Ah. Get together, uh, so chemicals get together. But um, is, are they gonna have some new person take over, uh, a call up and win the rumble? Like I think Rhea's gonna do, or are they gonna have Bianca, you know, win the rumble, strap that to her, and then start the feud, feud with Sasha? Uh, either way, I, I get the feeling that Bianca and Sasha is the end game for WrestleMania. All right. Let's see if my words can get better <laughs> here. Let's hit some quick news and notes, and then we'll do a new uh, segment. Uh, Matt Riddle officially re-signs with WWE. Supposedly, there's another report. No names have been um, attached to this report. But supposedly, multiple different talents, some are reporting Keith Lee. Take it for what it's worth. I... I would just stick with multiple talents. No, keep them nameless at the moment. Have not re-signed with WWE, and WWE seem to be uh, really down about that. But apparently, these talents are waiting for the pandemic shows to be over. Apparently, they're waiting to see when fans come back in to see where the direction will actually go. Because um, right now, this is probably the first time in WWE's history um, where they really get to choose. Who goes where with the company, whether it's the champions or not? Because like this, this is the f- first time in that ever that I can think of that there are no fans in the building to where you can actually 
get a gauge of where this talent is or this talent is, you know? Um, so that's very interesting. Um, I can see Keith Lee now. Can you imagine Keith Lee in AEW? That would be big time. That would be big time. And that would just stack the roster of men even higher, even though they really need more women, dude. But you can never have too much talent like Keith Lee and use him in a much better way. But um, anyways, um, that is officially Riddle has resigned. Um which is kind of surprising just because of the way they've been using him. But you know what? Matt Riddle really wants that match with Brock Lesnar. He really wants that match with Goldberg. Even though he thinks neither one will happen, he really wants those matches. And the only way he's going to get those matches is through WWE as of right now because they're both... Well, Lesnar's not signed, but I don't think Lesnar's going to AEW. But Goldberg's not going to AEW. Goldberg's signing or staying with WWE. Um, Ethan Page and Zicky Dice are now officially free agents. Uh, last time we saw Ethan Page, he was with TNA, Impact, whatever you want to call it. Zicky Dice was the former world television champion for the NWA. Um, he had an interesting interview where he just felt like things went off the Richter scale when he spoke up. I, I guess there was a call, um, and, uh, Billy Corgan said, hey, if, if someone's not seeing the vision, let us know now. And apparently, according to Dice... He stood up and said, hey, I don't, I don't get it, and you can let me out. And he, apparently he made several suggestions about how he could defend the TV ch- championship on AEW or in different promotions, and they just weren't for it. And um, then he also says, in his opinion, he felt like uh, Nick Aldis was holding him back and keeping him down. So um, it, things just had to go another way. Um, to me, that is all very fascinating stuff. And um, I think both people, Ethan Page and Zicky Dice, will end up either in New Japan or AEW. Um, I don't see either one of them getting the opportunity with WWE as of right now. They're just they're just not hot. They're pretty cold because they, of who they. I mean, Impact just really started building momentum, even though they've been good all 2020. Like they were pretty decent. Um, they just really started building momentum with this collaboration with AEW. But um, he needs to get hot again. Or he needs to get hot to really get the, the attention of the WWE. And Zicky Dice has been on ice as well. So I think they both need to kind of go through both. Even if it's not signing deals, just more of like one shots here and there. Kind of like the Zack Ryder deal or Matt Cardona deal. Um, and then they'll both get their opportunity to do it. So um, the last bit of news is Arn Anderson's son is training to be a wrestler. And that's less the news I want to talk about. I seen that. I thought that was cool to tell you guys. But I actually started listening to uh, Arn Anderson's podcast. And it's all right. He, even though he is, is not behind the scenes, he's seen behind the scenes of creative decisions. And he seems to be more just hands-on as a producer. I, I still think it's a decent podcast, you know. Um, he it's like It's like more of like... He's asking questions, giving his opinion on real life things, but it's like, but it's, it's old school opinion, but he's also just kind of having this, this honesty that I, that you get from JR in my opinion, but JR is like Bruce Pritchard. There's such characters that you have to get, I said this last week, you have to get through the muck to get to the really good stuff they're talking about sometimes, but, but mainly with JR, you know, the banter between Bruce Pritchard and Conrad is 
better. But like Jr. is saying so much, and it just can be frustrating listening to him sometimes. Uh, but um, it's still a decent podcast. I will give it a chance. I've only listened to two and a half episodes. Um, but as of right now, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm, you know, I'm going down, like, let's look, it's, there's enough content there to where I can kind of pick and choose certain shows. So that's currently what I'm doing at the moment, but, um, let's get to this new segment. And so you guys are going to tell me, um, what you guys think about it. Sorry about the crinkling noise of paper. It's called more epic. Here's the idea. I'm going to take two matches and then. I'm going to dissect them both in five different categories. At the end, there should be a winner. The categories are, number one, the build slash story. So I'm going to give background on the story and the build and everything like that. Two is the atmosphere. Like, how is the atmosphere and during that match? You know, like, at, at, and starting from the entrances, or no, excuse me, starting from the video packages to the entrances during the whole match and the final bell rings and after the match right number three is the match you know number four is the moment like what how how did that moment impact the company for years to come if it did did it impact it for a week did it impact it for the night did it, did it ever impact it and five is the impact <laughs> i said impact a lot but to me those are the five categories and then we'll just this, and this, this is supposed to bring up conversation, you know? That's why I'm taking two matches and getting my point of view on who won as being more epic. But to me, this should bring up conversation that I think will be fun and healthy conversation as opposed to, hey, let's put an AEW match versus a WWE. That's cool and all, but it's not... Sometimes you can just take the company the match in the company and say hey this is where it took it also AEW is so new it's hard to say what has an impact we won't know until five years from now you know like to me they're already doing everything they need to do to be fan oriented like their action figures are freaking amazing and if you've been listening to this show at any given time you know i'm a huge collector and before we get into more epic i'll actually tell you guys a funny story um, but like their action figures, their video games, their merchandise, like they are here and they, they want to be here to stay. And I think there's a fan base to stay. And I do believe wrestling can be hot again, you know, and we're actually going to do two of the more epics, uh, this week. And like I said, I'm just going to get feedback. I didn't want to do one and people kind of get, I want to do two, get people's feedback, have people DM me, email me, message me, whatever. And we'll go from there. If it's if people are into it, cool. If not, then I'll drop it. Um, but yeah, this week. So a couple weeks ago, I w- I've been on a budget, tight budget, like most people since the pandemic hit. And so someone was like, "Hey, I want to, you know, get you a Christmas gift." And I was like, "Yeah, you don't, you don't gotta do that." And they're like, "No, I want to get you one." I said, "All right, cool. Well," and then I got this notification. Uh, not notification. I got a message from someone that said, "Hey." Wave two of the AEW figures are back on sale at ringside collectibles, right? Now, let me tell you how wave one went for me. So my first glimpse of wave wave one, first of all, it was late coming out. I think every collector knows that. Well, then like maybe the second to third week of August, I went to this Walmart because I was toy hunting, like most collectors do. And I saw Kenny Omega. I saw two Kenny Omegas on the shelf. I said, oh, they're here. So I got Kenny Omega. Went to the next store. 
they had Kenny Omega too, just one left. I said, all right, I guess I'm just going to deal with Kenny Omega. So I had Kenny Omega. The first thing I actually bought was the ring. The rings were out like in June. So I bought the medium-sized ring. I had the Kenny Omega. So then I'm do, doing toy hunting, toy hunting, toy hunting, but nothing. So I just, so, so it just, you, some days you go, some days you don't. Some days you, you, you feel like it, some days you feel it, some days you don't. So finally there's one day I said, you know what? I got a full tank of gas. I wasn't doing anything that day. And I woke up like at six. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say F it. And I went to this Walmart, like way out of my way, like 40 minutes out of my way. Because I was that bored and there was nothing else going on. All of a sudden, I get there to this Walmart and the guy's opening the box to the AW figures. I'm like, holy crap, do you mind if you hand me these figures? So I said, Cody, he handed me a Cody, he handed me a Young Bucks, and he handed me a Jericho. Remember, I already had Kenny Omega. So I'm looking, I'm like, hey, do you have any women in there? He's like, women? I was like, yeah, her name is Brandy. Looked through it, nothing, no Brandies. So the entire wave, except for Brandy, was there. I was like, all right, cool, you know, and talking to some other collectors here in the Colorado area, like it was like 10 of the collectors, we all kind of talk every now and then if we see something, hey, man, like sometimes if there's more than enough, someone's like, hey, I got extra, if you guys want to just pay me for it, like we're not scalping each other, Uh, I guess technically we're scalping each other, but it's not like we're raising the prices, it's kind of like, hey, I I I, I saw three Kenny Omegas, I got one for myself. I have two left over, or some people have extra. So like, hey, I got two for me. I have two left. Um, do you guys want to just buy them from me and we meet up? Cool, right? Um, well, I was the first one to actually get the wave. Um, but by the time I messaged everybody, this was like early in the morning, so like nobody was like up. So, anyways, um, so if I had wave, got wave one. Well, then wave two came up back on uh, pre-order for ringside. So it said that the MJF and it was so wave two, first of all, is Dustin Rhodes, Hangman Adam Page, John Moxley, MJF, and the Lucha Bros. And so I said, you know, all right, cool. I'll just get MJF. And they said it was going to get to like early January. Well, it came out early. Well, it came early, actually. But it was funny because that's the reason I, I was stuck because it was between Hangman, MJF, and John Moxley. And so John Moxley, the only reason he was even that high up for me, because technically I have a Dean Ambrose already, is because he had the a, he came with the AEW World Championship belt. So I said, all right, well I'll get MJF, and then you know when my budget opens, which I knew was going to open like in a week or so because I went back to work, I said, F it, I'll get hang, I'll get Moxley, then Hangman, whatever. I wasn't really going to get Dustin. I wasn't going to get the whole collection. Well, anyways, I pre-ordered MJF, and so next thing you know, I'm heading to work on Monday of this past week. I'm heading to work, and so I was so early, I said, I don't want to be at work 30 minutes early, that's depressing, unless you know I'm a loser. <laughs> so I just stopped at the Walmart just to see what they had, because it was after Christmas, and I had not been in the store in two weeks, because I wasn't going to go during Christmas rush. I said, let's, let's let me see what they see. Well, the, the entire shelf, I walked past... Everything is so bare, except for the stack of Wave 2 AEW figures. I was like, holy crap. Well, there was one problem. <laughs> so I look at my um, account, right? My paycheck should have hit. It hadn't hit yet. So I only had 40 bucks on me. And I didn't have my card for my other account. 
my other accounts where I keep my my big boy money in air, air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes. So I was like, holy crap. And that's why I also, that's, well, that's why I bring both cards. It was just an oversight. I was cleaning out my wallet and I just literally put it down on my counter just so I wouldn't cut it up or throw it away or anything. I just forgot it. So I only have $40. So I'm looking and looking. So I see they have the entire wave. I was like, you know what? But there's only one Hangman Adam Page and John Moxley left. So I said, all right, I'll just have to get these. And this is like a 20-minute drive from my my job. So I said, not 20-minute job. I'm a 20-minute drive. Like a 10-minute drive. It's like right in between my house and the job. I said, like, you know what? I'll just have to take the chance. I'll get these two, and I'll come back at the end of, end of the day. If they have more, then I'll do it. But I knew they only had one Hangman left and one John Moxley left. Boom. Go to work. My check is my account. Right as I'm leaving work. And so I go back to that Walmart and they have three figures left. They have one figure of Ray Phoenix, one figure of Pentagon, and one figure of Dustin. All I need left to complete the wave. Now, I really didn't want the Dustin because like I said I wasn't going to get him, right? And so I started thinking about it. I was like, Ugh, why not get him? It's a it's, it, Because I remember when I first heard about these figures. And they're, te- and they're I didn't know they were going to be a limited run. And at first, I was like, well, they're just saying that, blah, blah, blah. But the way they're treating these first couple of waves, like, I haven't seen Wave 1 back in stores. And it's not up for pre-order anymore. So, in, unless they reissue them at some point in time this year, um, I think they're going to stick to their word of this being just uh, a, a limited thing. Um, which is why now they are limiting, not in the stores, but online or ringsidecollectibles.com, they are limiting them to two per person. Um, so they, so I was like, you know, these are limited, you know, I, I actually don't even have a gold disc anymore. The one gold disc I had was a, it wasn't a Mattel, it was a Jax specific one from like the early 2000, no, actually late nineties, early two thousands, late nineties, I think pretty badass figure i don't have it anymore it's my favorite gold dust figure actually one of my favorite figures of all time actually it's pretty cool um i do know they end up making another one later on but i've never seen it like in person but anyways i ended up just getting it just to complete the wave because i couldn't complete um the first wave so i actually have them on my wall i'm actually looking at them right now i actually set my wall up it has a bunch of AEW stuff because as the weeks went on uh I, 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 like mid to late september they end up coming out with more wave ones in stores, but I never saw a full wave again. So the ones I saw was Jericho, Cody, Kenny. So I ended up grabbing an extra one of them just to have them um, in the box. Um, and, and someone's offered me some money for them. If they want them, they could probably have them because I already have them. They're just out of the box. I don't actually need two of them. I'm not that kind of collector. But I did just get them just because I, I, I do eventually want a whole wall of just AEW figures to kind of match the whole wall of WWE figures I have. But anyways, I just thought you guys would find that story. I didn't mean to go that long with it, but I just thought you guys would find that story interesting because I do get asked about my collection all the time. I'm still trying to find some collectors that could come on the show. One guy really wants to come on the show. The problem is he only speaks Spanish. And I can understand him, but I'm like, I, I looked at the, the graphics. Most of my uh, fans, fan base or listenership, viewership, whatever you want to call it, does not speak Spanish. So it wouldn't do me any good or him any good if they can't understand him, right? Um, 
but we're working on it. So I think I have a translator. I just need to talk to her again. Um, but anyways, let's get to this more epic. Like I said, the way it's built is for me to tell you about both of the matches, tell you the backgrounds of them, and then we go into it. All right, so let's go. So the first more epic, and I see things a little differently history, will be Hogan versus Sting, Starcade 97. Versus Hogan versus Luger, August, the week before Road Wild, both for the WCW World Championship. Hogan is the champion. Sting and Luger are both the challengers, right? So let's start with Hogan Sting. Everyone knows the background of this. Sting felt betrayed by his comrades. He came out during war games, completely destroyed the NWO by himself. He looked at Luger, said, do you believe me now? Gave him the big F you sign, walked away, did not speak or barely spoke for the next year and a half or year and change. Changed his whole look. Went from beach surfer guy to the crow to, to coming down in the grapple with a baseball bat. It just was a completely different thing than we've ever seen before. It was brilliantly booked, right? That's the backstory upon that. Let's get to Hogan versus Luger. Hogan versus Luger was set up for a Road Wild World Championship match. But one week before, or six days before, excuse me, Hogan comes out. He's feeling so cocky. He says, hey, I'll, I'll give you a championship match right now. You're not going to beat me either way. I'll give you a championship match now. You'll lose tonight, and then you'll still lose this Sunday. So, a little more background about that match. Luger was hot. Lex Luger was so hot. There was something about that time where the fans, even the diehard NWO fans, even if they loved the NWO, were tired of the NWO winning every week. And, and it was so, where it was booked poorly for me as a fan. And this is why there was only twice in WCW's history and my history of watching wrestling during the Monday Night Wars because here's how my routine would go the first part of Night Show I would watch I would watch the Cruiserweights I would watch Jericho I would watch DDP right do their thing that first hour the second hour was all WWE because WCW didn't have anything on the main event scene they just didn't we can argue about that back and forth all day I won't agree with you. You won't agree with me. I won't change your mind, probably. You won't change my mind. You, I know you won't change my mind. But Luger was so hot. And he had the right music. It just felt special, right? And there were so many times people were like, well, Hogan's not losing that belt before Starcade. Or before he faces Sting. No one knew at the time it was going to be Starcade, right? Unless you were into the dirt sheets and stuff like that. But the people I was talking to didn't know when it was, but we knew it was building towards Hogan this thing. And so Luger just, he just got hot, man. The fans just got so behind him because he was constantly born with NWO, whether it was Macho Man, The Outsiders, Hogan, whoever. He just, it was just his moment, his time. Hogan obviously recognized that because Hogan had, Hogan had creative control. Hogan wasn't losing that belt unless. He wanted to. 
but he was just so hot. So let's get to the build story, part one. Obviously, the build story has to go to Hogan's thing. It was year and three months of just giving you blue balls at the blue balls at the blue balls. Exciting moments. Those Look back at some of those matches or some of those nitros, excuse me, when Sting's coming down from the rafters and like one where you attached and hooked DDP up and DDP is like knocked out and he just goes back up in the sky and you see DDP just completely out as Nitro goes off the air. Those fans are going fucking nuts, dude. Like it, 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 it just, it just, we've never seen that before. Nope. I don't believe any company had ever. We could, say, we could talk about long-term story building. When I think of one of the greatest storylines in WWE history, it was the slow burn from Macho Man being the face to win the WWE Championship to the Mega Powers colliding the very next year. That was probably the some people would say the greatest storyline ever. I think it's it's up there. It's top five, probably even top three. Um, but nothing was like this. A person barely talking. A person taking the contract from J.J. Dillon, looking at it, crumpling it up, opening J.J. Dillon's uh, jacket, and then stuffing it in there. And J.J. Dillon's like, what do you want? And the crowd's chanting, Hogan, Hogan. And Sting takes a baseball bat and points to the crowd. Just the things he was doing were epic, and he was barely freaking talking. And then Hogan... Was a, a little overselling. Like, is he pointing at me? I remember one segment where where Buff is holding Hogan back. He's like, oh, he's pointing at me. He better not be pointing at me. He's showing fear, or whatever, blah, blah. But Hogan didn't even do. He didn't even need to do that. People were just clamoring. They were teething for this. You know, it was just it it was just different. The Hogan Luger thing came out of nowhere. Like Luger just got hot, and it was just undeniable that Luger. While while we're waiting for Sting. Luger is the guy that's going to represent and lead us. Luger was a guy. Big Show had already had one run with the NWO and was kicked out. He couldn't be that guy. DDP had not yet hit his stride. I want to say when DDP started hitting his stride, it was when he defeated Mr. Perfect, a.k.a. Kurt Henning, for the U.S. Championship. That's when Kurt Henning, that's when DDP was like, all right, he's he's the people's champion. He was getting there. But he wasn't there yet. But Luger had hit a, had hit a. It was a short moment, but it was like a. I want to say it was like a three month thing, where like he's just in these matches and none, and these none of these matches were epic or classics. Nothing. It was just the fact that Luger just had these moments, and it was like he was the only one able to really stand tall at times. Um, but I have to give part one the build slash story to Hogan's thing. Number two, the atmosphere. So this one is pretty interesting right so the atmosphere when i look at it and i rewatched the sting hogan match the crowd the commentary it was excitement but it was also like a little quiet you know because now here's the payoff right and what i have written down is hogan sting winning that but I'm going to give it a tie. I'm actually going to write that down right here. I'm giving that a tie. Because. I rewatched the Luger-Hogan match. And I think the fans. 
even though there was an excitement, they were all waiting. Like we all were watching TV. They were all waiting for the NWO to jump in. They were just, they were waiting for a screwdriver because it's happened so much. It's happened over the last year. Why is now any different? Why should we have hope? They did, WWE did such a great job of sucking the hope out of people to where you just assumed it's going to be interference. So the atmosphere to me had both had it where it was just this level of anticipation of, all right, we want to see something new. We want to see this, but will we see this? You know what it reminded me of? WrestleMania 35, where you have the three biggest matches with the three hottest baby faces, Becky Lynch, Kofi Kingston, and Seth Rollins. And everyone's like, well, all three can't win. Who do we want to win? And I remember like talking to people and everyone's like, man, I got to choose. I hope Ronda wins, but I don't think she's going to win now. I can't see them making Kofi win. He's not going to win the championship. Seth has to win. He won the role. Like, that's what it was like. It was kind of like, dang, like, we want to see this, but the hope, like, the hopium is no longer, like, we're all out of bags of hopium, and the hopium distributor is like, man, y'all going to OD if I give y'all too much more. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I have to give it both. Like, I had it written down as Hogan's thing, but both, you know? So that makes it one and a half for Sting Hogan. Half for Luger Hogan. Number three, the match. By far, Hogan got way too much offense in on both these guys. They both gave way too much to a heel Hogan. Neither match lasted very long. Um, But when I looked at both matches, Sting did look winded. But either way, you could tell it was booked for Hogan to take 90% of the offense and then the hot comeback. Luger... He got in a few hits at the beginning, and then Hogan dominated the whole thing. But the reason why I chose Luger Hogan for this is because of the comeback. His offense never really needed to hit Hogan. So in this match, if you've not seen it, Hogan hits a leg drop, goes for the cover, Luger kicks out. Hogan can't believe it. Hogan's in shock. All of a sudden, Hogan goes for a second leg drop. Well, Hogan misses. And all of a sudden, you hear Bobby the Brain Heenan say, I'll never forget this, here comes Luger, before Luger even did anything, because Luger's still on his knees at this point, point. Luger puts the hair over his head, and all of a sudden, you see a clothesline, boom, and then you see another clothesline, boom, and then Luger hits the ropes and pulls himself up, and you, see, you can see him getting hyped. All of a sudden, the fans start building, uh, NWO, Scott Hall comes in, clothesline, then he takes Hall, picks him up, Irish whips him into Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash gets hit over the top rope. Scott Hall falls down. Kevin Nash kicks him. I mean, excuse me. Luger kicks him. He falls out. Macho Man comes out. He's on the top rope. He, he's about to do a double axe handle. So he jumps off. Luger, boom, shot to the gut. Macho Man flips. Macho Man takes him. Luger takes him. Getting excited. Luger takes Macho Man. Throws him on the outside. All of a sudden, uh, Luger... Goes and does the bionic elbow, boom, or forearm, excuse me, right to Hogan. Now Mike Tanay's like, he hit him with that forearm, he hit him with that bionic forearm. Scott Hall gets up one more time, boom, gets punched down. 
The key is here, no one had ever touched Luger. They tried. None of them ever got it. It was mastery in selling in, by Scott Hall and Macho Man. Scott Hall had to do the most because Scott Hall took the most bumps out of that. But you saw Nash one time. Nash got Irish whipped. Hall got Irish whipped into him. Boom. Nash is out. Macho Man punching the gut. None of them came close to touching him. And so Randy Anderson, their official, doesn't call it off. Because why would you call it off? No one's officially touched Luger. So now Luger's just looking around the ring. Luger's looking around the ring. The fans now are getting, don't know what to, fans don't know what to do now. They're expecting some more run-ins. When well, Luger does the rack sign, the fans start building on. So now no one can believe it because no one else has come out yet. So then Luger, Hogan stands up. He's he's Daisy. He's in the, you know, a daze. Luger picks him up, starts racking him. Randy Anderson's asking Hogan. Hogan's tapping out. Hogan's pretty much tapping out immediately once he gets in the rack. Randy Anderson sells it so good. He puts his hands on his head. And he's like, in this way, he's like, yes, ring the bell, ring the bell, ring the bell. And all of a sudden, like once the bell rings, the excitement from Luger. The fans are now going wild. Luger drops Hogan, goes on the top rope, celebrates, jumps off, gets on his knees, and they hand him the world championship. Then it's celebration time. Big Show comes in. Um, DDP, Rey Mysterio, the Steiners. But to me, it just was like, wow. And even though you kind of had the feeling of, come on, dude, you're going to lose that belt in six days. It was a hell of a moment because I remember... This is this is the part that makes this even better in the moment department, in my opinion. So WCW was known at that point because they wanted you to watch the Turner shows afterwards, right? So at 10 p.m. they wanted you to watch whatever movie Turner had bought, right? Well, they would in the commercial break then go back to the arena. They did this a few times. This was the only time I watched it. Because the first, excuse me, second time I watched it, first time they pissed me off. So I didn't watch it. So all of a sudden during that one of those commercial breaks, you see the the the, the good guys, the, the faces, wiping off the NWO spray paint on the WCW championship. And then on the final uh, shot before you get to Road Wild, you have Hogan arguing with the NWO, like, what? why weren't you out there? What happened to you? And blah, 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 and this, that, and the third. But to me, the match was just better. If you look at the match between Sting and Hogan, Sting looked winded, and then the whole botch at the end where Nick Patrick clearly counted three. There's been speculation of why, what happened. Doesn't matter. I just can't give that the match because it was so botchy. So after... Round three, it's one and a half Sting Luke Hogan, one and a half Hogan Luger. Four, the moment. So, for as good as that moment was, I couldn't choose one or the other. Both moments were cool. Sting winning the WCW championship was awesome. So, so was it for Luger? But to me, both moments were very short-lived in the history of things so i give them both a point so it's two for each but 
to expand on it. For Sting to not wrestle for a year and change, come back and win. It did feel like a changing of the guard was going to happen. It did take a little while for that change to happen. But it definitely felt like something special had just happened. Also for Luger, to me, that was probably the first. Luger was a big deal in the 80s. Being in the Four Horsemen, winning the title. You know, he he's, he was a big deal for a while. To me, he had, he had never been hotter as a solo babyface than in that moment. And that was the last big moment, in my opinion, that he had in WCW. Luger was never a good worker. Um, that's a fair statement. And to me, I don't think he he did anything really relevant. Yeah, he joined the NWO Wolfpack, but at that point, he was just a soldier. To me, this was him being in the being the leader, and to me, this was his defining moment in WCW, not in WA, but in WCW. Because even when they turned WCW in like '92 or whatever, he was he went to WWE, then he came back. So to me, he had two great moments in WCW when he showed up on Nitro, the very first Nitro at the end, and this moment. To me, and both ironically had featured Hogan, but to me, this. Had to be a tie. Had to go with both. Finally, Impact. The Impact that both had was interesting. Um, the Hogan Luger match didn't have much of an impact, except for on the legacy of Lex Luger. Like to me, he needed that big moment. He just needed it, um, because it just showed that he could be a single star. But that belt was always going back to Hogan. And that match, Hogan's thing was always the big thing. So for, or the way to go. So for this purpose, Sting Luger will win because I'm giving the impact to Sting and uh, Hogan. So they will win three to two. But let's get to the impact. The impact was so tremendous because one, the match was so bad. Mind you, Starcade 97 is the highest grossing pay-per-view in WCW history. I still remember it like it was yesterday. It was at the MCI Center in Washington, D.C. I was actually going to go to this show. It would have been the first live event I would have been to, but then I got sent on a plane going back home to Louisiana. Well, I still got a chance to watch it because we had a, what they call a box, air quotes, and it's where you just hook it up and you get free pay-per-view or whatever. Anyways, um, the impact was so much more. The match was so bad. And now you don't... And Sting is very quiet about this. He's very, very quiet about this. He seems to be really humble. Hogan and Bischoff have no problem blaming Sting for that that, that buckle. But Sting doesn't blame them. But Bischoff and Hogan are like, hey, it's like the Spider-Man meme where Spider-Man's pointing at each other. They have no problem doing that to Sting. Um, But the impact was tremendous. Because a lot of diehard WCW fans hated the, the end of it, and then it was just tarnished by the next night. The belt was taken from Sting only to have a match with Hogan at Super Brawl, only for Sting to win that, and for it to be controversy with that. This is the problem when you have a character like Hogan, who's your top guy, who has creative control. He never can lose straight. Um... So anyways, the impact was more negative than anything. 
Um, but it was still an impact. It's where the Luger Hogan match, I don't think it's talked about enough. I don't think it's I think when Luger does go into the WWE Hall of Fame, that will be one of the things you see on the highlight package. Um, outside from being the longest reigning United States champion in WCW and WA history. Um or be, being a part of the four horsemen. This moment was a big moment for him. And you could see the excitement on his face when he did it, because to take the belt to take the belt of Hogan at any time is a big deal. But to take the belt of Hogan at that time when he had the creative control where he had to say, Hey, I'm gonna lose it had to be special. Um but the end of more epic for for this one is Hogan's thing win three to two. Um I'm gonna do another one, but I think I'm gonna hold off on it and I'll do it next week. And then we'll just say, hey, if you guys like this, we'll keep going. If not, we won't. Doing two might be. I, I went into a lot of detail there, more detail than I actually originally planned on going into. Um, but since I'm gonna go into that much detail, I better just do one for the night. So, or for for this week. So we'll do it this week. We'll do it next week. I'll get your feedback, and then we'll go from there. If you guys hate it, cool. We'll know then. You guys like it. You guys have your own ideas of what should I consider for more epic. We'll keep going. So, anyways, that is the show for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope your 2020 started off with a bang. And hope you guys enjoyed the match of the month as well. This Wednesday, I'm trying to think about what the show is going to be. And I don't know right now. (laughs) What's new? Um, But we'll figure it out. So, anyways... Enjoy your you guys week. Have the best week of your entire lives. We're out.